the following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm, Chapter 82, The Sacrifice. Everything that happened next, though it felt like an eternity frozen in time, was in fact over and done within a split second. Somehow they worried, somehow they knew, as they looked upon Celeste, that this could be the last time that they would ever see her alive again. The wind began to surge as the Grumark roared, and they could see her standing there in the blue glow of the sapphires, which were like stars. She was dressed plainly in just the cape, and the thin cloth whipped up around her long body, like the petals of a flower in motion, exposing her. Celeste tried to clasp it closed over her heart, as her thin legs instinctively parted, trying to find sufficient purchase upon the stones as the wind threatened to knock her off her feet. Still trying to absorb what was happening, her tribe saw her then, one last image of her. As Celeste turned to face them, the features of her face at peace. Her hair was long and blonde, and it stood sideways in the direction of the wind, framing her features. Her form was fair, and her body was lithe and slender. Though with her stomach tightened now, and her legs, it was easy to see how strong she was, having been trained in her strength by the unicorn and her god. On her left hand was a gold ring, and about her neck, the diamond collar. But what they remembered most in this moment was the instant her eyes met theirs, deep and brown, like the soil, like the earth peering into theirs, letting them know in this instant that this would be forever. And then Celeste pitched off her feet, flying through the air, caught at once in the idol's mouth. He clasped her high on her waist with his stone lips, immediately having captured her top half fully inside now, and as if in slow motion, her long legs kicked in the air, one long leg, and then the other, powerful, strong, still alive, fighting for life with each passing instant, she was drawn in further, in, too deep, in, too deep. Her stomach slipped inside, an inch at a time, then her hips, then her thighs, and her legs as she fought him. Celeste. Somehow Solus had managed to spring towards her, breaking from the illusion sooner than the rest. He was running towards Celeste, desperate, reaching out with one hand to grab her as the room spun in all directions around them. 
he reached out quick and put his fingers at last upon her ankle, but he did not have enough time to find the proper grip, and shortly afterwards her foot slipped through his grasp, then her toes, and she was fully gone then. All of it had happened too fast. Grumark has taken payment for his question, answered, but has this been a payment or a horrifying sacrifice deep within the depths of the Iron Realm? Level up. I think what I'll do is I'll level all the rogues at once. For Iona, Paola, and Kana are each going from level 3 to level 4. I don't know if I said it before, but at level 3, each of the rogues became eligible to pick up an additional weapon. Of course, to actually do this, each of them will require training by a weapons master. And because this hasn't happened yet, this bonus still remains merely a potential for each of the three for now. That said, each of the girls is a paragon-like specimen possessing an 18 dexterity, which grants huge level-up bonuses, as well as a masterful armor value bonus and accuracy too in melee and at range. In fact, I'm reminded that Paola's dexterity has already risen to 18.1. So as powerful as these girls are, there's plenty of room for them to go even further. Let's find out. The stat advancement rolls. We'll start with Yona. Strength. A six. And let's roll it again. A three. Yona has now acquired a 13 strength. Enough for a bonus, now matching the skill of her sister, Paola. Let's roll for Yona's dexterity. A five, her constitution. A one, her charisma. A two, her intelligence. A six! Her intelligence goes to a sixteen, and I roll again. A five. This will grant the girl an additional language as a bonus, should she have the opportunity to learn it. Let's make a further roll for Yona's wisdom. A 2. I'm jacking up her life points from a 12 to a 16. And now let's have a look at her sisters. Kana's rolls strength. A 3. Dexterity. A 5. Constitution. A 4. And her charisma. A 2. Intelligence, a one, and wisdom, a two. No further advancement for her. I'm jacking up her life points from a 12 to a 16 as well. Okay, Paola's the one with the most commanding stats of the three. Let's see what happens on her stat advancement. Strength, a four. 
dexterity, a four, and constitution, a two, charisma, a six, and charisma again, a five. I'm raising her charisma from an 11 to a 12. Now her intelligence, a three, wisdom, the roll is a five. I'm putting her life points up to a total of 20. All the rogue's abilities go up too. Ooh, this is interesting. Fourth level rogues gain the ability to read just about any written language there is, provided it is not magical. This will apply to all three girls, and each will have an ongoing 80% chance of success. These three rogues are on the loose. And remember, if one is your shared fate counterpart, then you can level character 8 as well. Go swiftly and silently into the maze, rogues. For though you may remain unseen, your opponents are probably sneaking up on you. The Iron Realm, copyright A.B. Lenzo is the world's first play-by-podcast RPG campaign. A portion of tonight's female voice performance was drawn from audio originally created by and offered by Ashley Eddy through freesound.org under the Creative Commons Attribution License. Further information can be found at theironrealm.com or at theironrealm.blogspot.com under this episode's show notes. My sincere thanks as well to you, Ashley, for your masterful contribution to the Iron Realm cause. Character 8 When the Grumark took his prize for a failed question, it wasn't at all what the tribe was expecting. But did you puzzle it out? If, for your Maze Master's challenge, you guessed that the Grumark would claim Celeste as his prize, then you may have a role for transcendent rank in any discipline, even a discipline that you do not possess. On the other hand, I will still count your answer as a success if you believed that the Grumark would take as his prize any one of the characters of the tribe. <laughs> You're thinking outside the box. I think the Grumark would have a tough time outsmarting you. Thanks for playing the Character 8 campaign. Now, back to the game. The Iron Realm, copyright Abel Enzo, is an original dark fantasy delve into the eternal maze at the end of time. A portion of tonight's female voice performance has been provided by Gwenifuri of freesound.
Dot.org, whose audio has been used with permission. Consult this episode's show notes at theironrealm.com or theironrealm.blogspot.com for full details. Gwenifery, I give my gratitude for that which you have offered. Indeed, your passion and your presence will always be honored throughout the countless corners of the Iron Realm. Collaboration, Stockholm, Solus, and the Halfling Tamek recreate upon the map for Gamma One the dimensions of that area called the Pits. This is where they were held captive for quite some time, and so they are able to recall this area with perhaps more detail than any of them would wish. So the first thing I'm going to do is indicate the location of each of the ladders. There are 16 in all, and since each of these are rope ladders, usually they're not accessible at all from within the pit, being retracted by the goblins, and therefore only accessible if dropped into the pit from the hall above. Each ladder exists between two squares, so for each pair of squares that I give, draw the ladder in between them. Between six across, two down, and six across, three down, there is a ladder. Between nine across, two down, and nine across, three down, there is a ladder. Between twelve across, two down, and twelve across, three down, a ladder. And again, between fifteen across, two down, and fifteen across, three down. Then again, between sixteen across, four down, and seventeen across, four down. Then, between sixteen across, seven down, and seventeen across, seven down, there is a ladder. Between sixteen across, ten down, and seventeen across, ten down, there is a ladder. Between sixteen across, thirteen down, and seventeen across, thirteen down, there is a ladder. Then between 15 across, 14 down, and 13 across, 15 down, there's a ladder. Between 12 across, 14 down, and 12 across, 15 down, there's a ladder. Between 9 across, 14 down, and 9 across, 15 down, another rope ladder. Between 6 across, 14 down, and 6 across, 15 down, draw in a ladder. Between four across, thirteen down, and five across, thirteen down, a ladder. Between four across, ten down, and five across, ten down, a ladder. Between four across, seven down, and five across, seven down, a ladder. Between four across, four down, and five across, four down, a ladder. And this is all sixteen. Next, let's detail the hallway that makes its way round the pits. At position 
17 across, 15 down, there is a T with the base pointed to the west. And to the north of it, there is a straightaway of three squares. And after that, a T with its base pointed to the east. To the north of this, there is a straightaway of four squares. And to the north of this, there is a T with its base pointed to the west. That T at position 17 across, 2 down, dead ends, except that at position 17 across, 1 down, there is a double door on the eastern wall. Beyond the door on the eastern wall, there is a straightaway of two squares, and that is all of this way that is known. However, let's get back to the T at position 17 too. Going through the base, the western way, there is a straightaway of ten squares, after which there is an L-turn pointed to the south. Moving south through the L-turn, there is next a T with its base pointed to the west, and this is at position four across, five down. Following the base of the T to the west, there is a further straightaway in that direction of two squares, and although it dead ends at position one across, five down, there is a set of double doors in the southern wall. Room nine is beyond it. This is called the count room, and it is positioned at one across, six down, two across, nine down. Let's return for a moment to the position four across, five down, and here there is a T and assume next that we are exploring the southern track. There's a straightaway to the south, proceeding a total of seven squares. And further south, past the straightaway, there's an L-turn to the east. Now I'm going to describe the next three squares individually, for it's a little different than what we might otherwise expect. At position 615, we have a ladder to the north, whilst the passageway to the south is open, and the passageway to the east is open as well. And then, at position 616, there is a wall to both the east and the west of that square, with the south remaining open, and it is the same at position 617, where there is a wall to the east and west, but the southern way is open. Now let's return for a moment to position 17, 15, and here there is a T, but past the T through the western base, you can drop in a straightaway of looks like nine squares. And this will merge perfectly with the area that we were just describing a second ago. And so this is the square-shaped hallway that surrounds the pits. Let's go deeper and describe the pits in more detail. So to begin, there's a mining track by which the mining car can travel all around the perimeter of the pits. And so what I'm going to ask you to do first is let's put four dots down on the page. Once these dots are down, connect them in order to make the entire circuit. The first dot is at position six, four. The second dot is at position 15, 4. The third dot is at position 15, 13. And the fourth dot 
is at position 6, 13. Connect the dots to create a square with rounded corners and detail it with short lines crossed over it in the manner we use to normally indicate mining tracks. The area called the pits is divided into 16 areas. These are known well by the slaves and are indicated by the goblins as they are being given their work. Using six straight lines, divide the entire area known as the pits into 16 square areas, each one consisting of nine smaller squares. For example, the first area, which is labeled as room 10, is at 5375, while area 11 is at 8315, and area 12 is at 113135, and so on. Like I said, you'll have 16 spaces in all, and these will be numbered 10 through 25. Although this entire space is quite a bit lower than the surrounding hall, within these 16 regions, there are actually many, many even deeper pits into which the slaves are lowered in order to mine for ore and especially gold. Each of the four inner areas, 15, 16, 19, and 20, is possessed of one large pit each. So draw a large pit into each of these, roughly large enough to fill the square that surrounds it surrounding these four large pits. But inside the area of the mining track, there are 18 small to medium-sized pits as well. And you can draw these in as follows. In area 10, one small pit at position 7-5. In area 11, a small pit between 10-4 and 10-5. In area 12, a small pit at position 11-5 and a medium-sized pit in the lower right corner of that square. There is also a medium-sized pit in area 13, and a medium-sized pit in area 14, which overlaps all three of the easternmost smaller squares. In area 17, there are three small pits beside the track, and a further small pit at position 14-7. In area 18, there are two medium-sized pits on the eastern side of that square, and between the two of them, they overlap all three of the easternmost squares. In area 21, there is a medium-sized pit that overlaps the entire lower west corner, and there is also a small pit at position 15, 9. Then there is a small pit at position 15-12, a small pit at position 13-12, and a medium-sized pit at position 10-12. Finally, a small pit at position 7-12. And this concludes the recreation of the area called The Pits. More dungeon details are coming on future episodes but if you'd like to check your map against mine, why not pick up the latest release of the Iron Realm Adventure Log and Strategy Guide? Get the book that corresponds to this episode. And why not fill out your collection with all past and future guides, too, in order to have all the secrets at the ready.
Find it on DriveThruRPG by searching for The Iron Realm with your adult settings enabled. Thanks for playing the game from the depths of the goblin pits and through the darkness of the eternal maze. Your Maze Master now leads on. Dungeon Errata I took another look at the further transcendent disciplines for Character 8, and there is a slight clarification for the evolution of peace. The way it was worded in the Solitary Essentials and Gaming Guide might have led a reader to imply that a role versus fate was allowed for absolutely any time that a character with the evolution of peace was hit by any kind of a stun or paralysis or other form of immobilization. Well, that's mostly right, except that the rules for beating fate stipulate that this is only allowed when character 8 has either taken life points of damage or when his or her shared fate counterpart instantly died after failing the death save. So, in the case of the evolution of peace, should character 8 have any pluses in this discipline, then they can be used for roll versus fate only in the following cases. If an immobilization attack of any kind has a damage component to it, then a roll can be made with any pluses in the evolution of peace applied. Likewise, if Character 8's shared fate counterpart is subjected to an immobilization attack, which is equivalent to instant death, turn to stone for example, and that counterpart fails a death save and dies, in such a case, Character 8 can also make a roll applying any bonuses from the evolution of peace to the roll. But if the immobilization attack doesn't do any damage, or if the immobilization attack is only temporary, then certainly there's no roll versus fate allowed. I've added the appropriate notes of clarification to the Solitaire Essentials and Gaming Guide version 1.4. And if you have the ebook edition of the guide, you can log into your account and get the latest right away. Just one more advantage of having the ebooks, changes and updates, and clarifications like this will come straight to you. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Tribal Matters. It is the eighth day of Sakaris, 8.20 a.m. The group has been a day without food and a day without water, which puts them at a minus two penalty. Additionally, most in their group following their meditation are dressed only in plain clothing or some in nothing at all therefore unprotected by armor. They are in the Grumark's chamber, position 17, 19, 18, 
23. The spells by the group are as follows. Kailana, Mystic Missile, times 2. Amazar, Door Denial, times 2. Orson, Ventriloquist, and Hovering Disc. Len, Hands of Healing, times 2. Twyla, Hands of Healing, times 2, plus the ability of her horn is ready. Nim has Hands of Healing, times 2, and the ability of her horn, and Nora's horn is also at the ready. The Sword of Heaven and the Handmaiden of Aphrodite are as of yet available. Currently, the Grumark has been tricked into reciting the spell Always Open, which has forced his mouth wide, revealing the portal to Celeste's fate, whilst simultaneously the exit to the Sapphire Chamber has sprung open at the far side of the room as well. Amazar and Kailana copied every word that the Grumark said, only abstaining from voicing the very last syllable and holding their own castings of the spell for the moment. Celeste is down the Grumark's throat, and Solus stands by at position 1722. Stockholm and Nora, who are on that same square, have quickly tied the rope round his waist. Brevik and Thora, at position 1722, grasp the middle length of the rope, whilst Lan and Orson do the same. They are positioned at 1822, taking the tail end of the rope. Amazar, Lelena, and Kailana are at position 1823. Nim and Twyla are at 1723. Tamek and Bardar are at 1721. And Paola and Marks are at 1821. Iona and Kana are northmost in the room at position 1720. And now it's time for round one. The instant the Grumark's mouth has come open, Solus is at the ready, unencumbered by any gear or armor, but holding fast to the Sword of Heaven as he plunges down the hole. With bare skin pressed tight against the smooth stone walls of the Grumark's throat, Solus slips instantly down the tunnel and into the dark. The line is suddenly tight, held fast by his companions at the surface, Stockholm, Nora Brevik, Thora Len, and Orson. Meanwhile, Marx directs the others of the tribe in the task of gathering up the gear, which must be done quickly, including the abandoned belongings of Celeste. At this time, the Grumark's eyes begin to glow, and soon after, so do the sapphires that are embedded into every surface of the room. You have been listening to The Iron Realm. If you would like to show your appreciation and support new episodes of The Iron Realm, visit patreon.com slash theironrealm and be you rewarded. Finally, tell your friends and spread the word about the world's first play-by-podcast RPG audio drama. Your fellow travelers 
and your maze master, thank you. From the eternal depths of the Iron Realm. I have been your maze master, Abel Enzo. Remember, play hard or go home. Iron Realm! Good night, everyone.